are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. And you are with Patricia Train. I am your host. I cover your New York Giants for a variety of places, The Athletic New York, Forbes, Inside Football, The Maven, uh, Journal Inquirer, Sports Exchange, um, all over the place. If you want to follow my work, you can follow me on Twitter at Patricia underscore Trana. That's probably the best play to get uh, links to all my work, to drop me questions, want to say hey, whatnot. Uh, that's the best way to to get in touch with me. So today we have my favorite day of the week. It is a Twitter Tuesday. That means my answers to your questions. So let's get right into it as we have quite a few questions that I want to try and get to on this program. So I'm going to start off with the questions received on our email account, which is LockedOnGiantsPodcast at gmail.com. And we'll start off with Tony T, who wants to know what positions on defense do you see needing priority upgrade in the offseason? Free safety and edge rushers seem obvious, but what other positions do you think need to be replaced? Tony, my guess is they'll probably add to the linebacker unit. I'm not 100% certain that Alec Ogletree will be kept. I have, uh, I guess, doubts as to whether or not B.J. Goodson will be back next year. I know he's he's still under contract, but I don't know if they might maybe, you know, upgrade or look to move on from him. Uh, free safety, definitely. Um, cornerback, I think adding more cornerback depth is going to be on the list of things to do. And edge rushers, you know, get some edge rushers and maybe another defensive uh, interior lineman. The 2019 draft class is supposed to be very rich with defensive pass rushers and defensive players. So I fully expect the Giants to dip into that pool early and often when they are on the clock next year. So thank you for that question, Tony, and thanks for writing and for the kind words that you shared in your email. Next question comes from Chris A. Wants to, uh, let's see, he says, I keep thinking about Joe Gibbs's 0-5 0-5 start as a head coach. Do you see similarities uh, between the 1981 uh, Washington team with their new coach and the 2018 Giants and their new coach? My memory is that Gibbs had to learn to use John Riggins and adjust his offense. That's a real good question, Chris, and I'm going to give you a disclaimer here. I didn't really start watching football until 1979, and I didn't really become proficient in it until I want to say the mid-1980s. So I'm going to be honest with you. My earliest memories of the game are a little fuzzy. But to answer your question, I do think that the Giants under Pat Shermer had to learn to win together. Now, people keep overlooking this fact, and it's very important. This was a team that was completely overhauled. Okay, I think they had something like 60 or 70% new faces on their roster. So not only did you have 
guys trying to get to know each other, guys trying to learn to play next to each other. But you throw in a brand new coaching staff and, and the challenge of learning what the coaches want, you know, different techniques, different systems and all that stuff. It was going to take time. I mean, anybody who thought the Giants were going to come out of the gate, you know, swinging and, and you know, looking like uh, the, the New England Patriots, I, I think they were expecting a little too much and not being realistic. Now, with that said, it looks like the Giants have finally um, come together. They've started to gel. They've started to play better. Um, the guys are starting to get to know each other. The, what the coaches are teaching is starting to become secondhand. And I think we're starting to see the, the, um, the results of that uh, getting to know you process and and it's and it looks very very promising now it doesn't mean that the same roster is going to be here next year there are going to be upgrades as I mentioned on the previous uh, answer to the previous question um, but I do think this Giants team is headed in the right direction the biggest thing was the culture getting rid of the dead weight getting rid of the guys who were just not giving it their all, getting rid of the, the guys who were causing problems, and just bringing in leaders, guys who have longevity, guys who have experience winning, and just getting those guys to integrate with the, with the other guys and share their experiences. I think that was um, you know, a huge difference for the, for the players and for the team. So thank you for that question. Up next is from John S., uh, let's see, he wants to know, how would I rate the Giants' special teams relative to the rest of the league? Good, bad, average? Um, uh, let's see, John, I, I, I'm not, I, I don't want to say I'm not familiar with the rest of the league, but I don't know the special um, the Giants. Watch what the Giants have done. I look at, you know, their opponents and before and after. So I haven't, I guess what I'm saying is I haven't studied the entire league. Now, with that said, I do think the special teams units have been much better. They started off shaky in the beginning because, as I mentioned prior, uh, before, um, they had to get to know each other, kind of like what the offense and the defense went through. And the added challenge on special teams is that you have guys uh, who come off special teams because they're needed more on offense or defense because of injuries or personnel moves. So that's another challenge. And I think Thomas McGay, he has done a really good job with the unit. I think, you know, the, he's worked wonders with Aldrich Rosas, who, you know, last year was an absolute mess every time something went wrong. Um, Rosas now really does have that ice water going through his veins to where if something goes wrong, he doesn't get shaken. Riley Dixon started off shaky and he certainly come on uh, and, and done a good job. And hopefully they have their, their return specialists of the future. I really like Quadri Henderson. Um, he's on IR right now. I think he's more of a natural fit for that role. But Jawill Davis is starting to make the most of his opportunity. So I do think they're going to have some options. And I do think that special teams is indeed headed in the right direction. So thanks for that question. John G wants to know, uh, let's see, I don't think Getty, that would be Dave Gettleman, general manager, is receiving as much credit for the 28th draft as he deserves. Is it too early to call it the best Giants draft in 20 years? Um, Reese's, Jerry Reese's 20, 2007 draft, 
uh, of course, these 2005 draft and, of course, these 2004 draft look like they only three that can could compare. Do I agree? John, I do think it's too early to call the 2018 draft class uh, the best in the last 20 years. I think they're trending upward, but I do also think it takes about three years for you to really appreciate and see the development that this class has. For example, I'm very high on of Lorenzo Carter. I think he's going to be a tremendous player, but right now he's not a complete player. And by that, I mean, he shows signs of being a pass rusher, but his run defense just isn't there yet. So I think if we give it three years um, for this class, we'll be able to tell. Now, I also think that the likelihood of this draft class finishing out their rookie contracts is going to be a lot higher than what we've seen with recent draft classes. So bottom line, John, let's revisit this topic again in a couple of years, or, or certainly at the end of next year when they're about two years in and we see what kind of improvement forward these guys have made, and then we'll be able to better determine if this is indeed the best class the Giants have had in the last 20 years. So thanks for that question. Kevin P. wants to know, uh, is it safe to say now that Gettleman made the wrong call, call regarding Romeo Aquara, Andrew Adams, and DJ Fluker? Everyone we replaced them with has been far worse and much more expensive. Kevin, um, hindsight's twenty twenty. Uh, so I'll say that. I, I, I mean, it's, it's easy to go back and say, yes, Gettleman screwed up. But here's the thing with, that Gettleman did that I don't think you're, you're really giving him a lot of credit for. Gettleman did not overpay for potential. When you start to overpay for potential, that's when you get into a cap hell. All right. So using Romeo Aquara, for example, he flashed some potential, but, you know, he had some injury issues and Gettleman made the decision look, the sky isn't, isn't a fit for what we want to do, and I'm not going to overspend you know, for potential that we may or may not ever see. Um, the case with Andrew Adams was the same thing. You know, Andrew Adams was a fine uh, box safety for the Giants, but when it came to coverage, not as good as I, I think the money would have indicated. You know, I don't think they were willing to pay him big bucks because they didn't view him as a complete safety. And regarding DJ Fluker, the big thing with him, I think, was he was banged up. Um, if you remember correct, if you remember, he, um, I want to say he had a toe injury, and I think he had a shoulder, and one of those injuries landed him on injured reserve. So you don't know where he was in his rehab at the time, and, and you know, I, if I'm not mistaken, Fluker has also had some injury issues with Seattle, his current team. So, um, so yeah, I, I think that was just a gamble, you know, if they had spent big bucks on, on DJ Fluker, you know, would he have held up? Uh, so that might've been Gettleman's concern. And, you know, here's, here's the other thing about these three players. You have to look at the coaching and you have to look at the systems that they are now in. Fluker flourished under Mike Solari. He is no longer the Giants' offensive line coach. He was replaced by Hal Hunter. So where did Mike Solari go? He went to Seattle, which is where DJ Fluker went. All right, and hence he is flourishing out there when he's been healthy. You know, Aquara and An Andrew Adams, like I said, I don't think they were a fit for what the Giants 
were looking to do on defense. Now, did they fight, find the right guys to replace them? You can make the case that no, they haven't. But as Dave Gettleman has said many times, and as I have said many times, it takes more than a year to rebuild a roster, especially when you consider this roster was wrecked over the course of many, many years. So I think I'm going to give Gettleman a pass on those particular uh, players and just wait and see what he does in the offseason. I think, you know, he'll come up with uh, some options and he'll, he'll leave no stone unturned and hopefully um, there'll be better options come next year. All right, Giant fans, you're listening to Locked on Giants with Patricia Trina. It is a Twitter Tuesday. We're going to take a short break and then come back with more of your questions. So stay with us. The Locked On Podcast Network is doing unprecedented things on Twitter and Instagram. On Twitter, follow Locked On NFL Net to get all the latest breaking news and game highlights from the Locked On Podcast Network NFL hosts all on one convenient feed. On Instagram, Locked On NFL Net gives you the biggest stories, including audio cuts as provided by the various Locked On NFL team hosts. Make sure you follow Locked On NFL Net on both Twitter and Instagram to get your daily fill of the NFL. Welcome back, Giant fans. You're with Patricia Trena on Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. And we have a Twitter Tuesday underway. So a lot of questions, great questions as always coming in from you guys and now we're going to turn to the twitter questions uh, after doing the email questions received in the first segment so let's jump right into those shall we okay let's see zero one s micah asks what is the likelihood of the giants coming to london next season don't know um the answer to that i do know the giants were last in london in 2016 so I, I think it's way too soon to say that for sure. We will find out about that early enough, though. I think the NFL is going to have something like either four or eight games in London next year. Um, so I would say the odds are obviously increased if they go with the eight games, but I don't know for sure if the Giants will, will uh, get a London game. So we shall see on that. Sean T, or actually, uh, let's see, Sean Tomlinson. What happened during the Giants' bye week that they are now so good offensively? It can't just be getting rid of Flowers and Omame. That's a great question, Sean. I think the answer is that Pat Shermer went back to the run game. You know, if you look at the beginning of the year, how many times did he get away from the run game prematurely? Now, part of that, admittedly, was because they couldn't run the, the ball. You know, as you said, they struggled on the offensive line to get guys blocked. Um, so they had trouble. They had to rely on the passes, passing game. So I went back, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I, I did do a segment for The Athletic. It's a film review that, that uh, should be out um, sometime on today, on Tuesday. And uh, I basically came up with numbers that said that Eli Manning is throwing the ball a lot less than he was uh, in the first eight games, which means the Giants are running the ball more, which in turn means that they are achieving more of a balance on offense. So I think that's the biggest thing that the Giants did. I think the second biggest thing is they're running more two tight end sets, whereas in the beginning of the year they were running a little bit more, I thought, uh, 11 personnel 
Uh, now it looks like they're running more of those two tight end sets. And again, that's to help the running game, which has been that much better. Um, there's also been some tweaks of guys' role. For example, Evan Ingram has had some of his snaps reduced because, uh, you know, they they finally figured out that he's really not the guy you want blocking defensive ends on every play. So they kind of uh, reduced that role a little bit. They uh, got Rhett, uh, excuse me, they got Rhett Ellison involved a little bit more. Um, you know, so just little things like that. Oh, and then the other thing from a schematic point of view is whereas the Giants were going low to high in the passing game, now they're more of a high to low concept, which basically means that when they were going low to high, um, Eli Manning was looking at his underneath guys and just kind of going from the low guy to, to the deep guy. And now I think uh, that's changed a little bit to where they are doing more of the high to low, where he's maybe looking at the intermediate guy. Then, you know, if he's not there uh, checking out, you know, especially if there's time checking out the deep guy. And if all else fails, just dumping the ball off underneath. Because if you look, you probably haven't seen Eli throw a lot of check downs in the second half of the season. And that's change, I think, due to the schematic uh, that I just mentioned. So I hope that answers your question. Thank you for asking. Uh, Antoine wants to know, um, let's see, what would you say has been the biggest, some of the biggest contributing factors in the Giants scoring more points since the bye week? Uh, similar, similar question to Sean's, uh, question before Antoine, you know, they changed some things up. Um, they're running, I think a lot more mesh concepts where they have, for example, two receivers or a receiver and a tight end crossing in the intermediate range. They're creating a little bit more confusion and making themselves a little less predictable, I think on offense. And that has helped. And of course it helps that the offensive line is able to keep Eli Manning standing upward. So, uh, when you get your quarterback who's able to scan the field down and make plays, when you have your running game able to, you know, break through holes and, and, and do damage to the, uh, defensive secondary in the second level that all helps towards uh, scoring points uh, next question let's see Jennifer L do you think the dramatic turnaround with penalties is a result of the team becoming more disciplined or just a one-off game uh, as in in Washington was just so bad that the Giants didn't need to commit penalties um I think they worked at it, Jennifer. I, I really, I don't think it had anything to do with the level of competition they were playing. I mean, the Giants had, I believe, 12 penalties in their overtime win against the Bears, and they cut it down to, I want to say, two against Washington. So I, I think it was just a matter of the coaches going back to with the players and working on the fundamentals to get all that stuff cleaned up, and the players just paying, you know, more attention to the little details that are necessary to avoid, you know, being too grabby, for example, on, on uh, pass coverage or committing stupid penalties that didn't need to be committed. So hopefully they keep it up because penalties can be a drive killer. Just look at what happened with Washington. I mean, they scored 16 points, had 15 penalties. That's just unheard of and just no way you're going to win a game if you're doing that. Okay, Thomas F. wants to know, would you say Eli Manning has performed as a top 10 quarterback since the bye week? Um, that's a good question. I haven't, you know, I've, I've 
kind of followed the other quarterbacks because uh, through fantasy football. I know I ha I've got Patrick Mahomes on my team. I've got Aaron Rodgers. Um, recently, I played, you know, a, a opponents who have had, you know, Tom Brady and stuff. So I think Eli Manning has definitely performed better. I would definitely put him in the top half of the league. Top 10, I would say he's pretty close, if not on the cusp. Let's let's say that. I mean, I, I, I don't know that I would put him in top five, but I would certainly, um, you know, say that he's on the cusp, if not, you know, like nine or 10, if, if you know, we're doing rankings and stuff like that. So um, interesting. I'd have to do more research on, on statistics and stuff, but, you know, no question about it. Eli is definitely playing better ball than he did the first half of the uh, of the season. So thanks for that question. Johnny Ballgame wants to know, I know it was only five passes, but do you think Loletta was nervous or hesitant, or was it a representation of what scouts mean when they say he didn't have a big-time arm? Uh, Johnny, I think part of the thing with Kyle Loletta, I don't think it was nerves, first of all. I don't think he was hyped up or, you know, like what we saw with Davis Webb in the preseason where he was just all over the place. I think um, with Kyle Loletta, what I've been trying to tell people who have been screaming for Loletta is that he comes from a small program and he has a little bit more of a learning curve than say a quarterback who comes from a big time program like a Notre Dame or Ohio State or Florida or an LSU and so on and so forth. Um, the level of competition is different and some people will say that the speed is a little different based on the level of competition. So now you're going from, you know, Richmond, which is a good program, don't get me wrong, in a competitive program, but you're going from a college program now to the NFL playing against first string defensive players. And it's a, and, and it's a shock. It's a shock to your system. So I think that was part of the problem. I also think part of the problem was that the coaching staff, you know, they wanted to get Loletta into a game, but they didn't know when that was going to happen. So in other words, I, I don't think they sat there and said, oh, we're going to plan to play him in the fourth quarter against Washington. They had to, of course, wait and see what was going to happen with the score, which is what they did. So as a result of that, I, I wonder how much they practice particular plays that were, were specific to what Loletta does well, such as misdirections, rollouts, naked boots, stuff that put him on, on the move. Um, if you watch the five passes he threw, he basically took the snap, dropped back, and had to throw. And I, I'm not so sure that that's his strength. He's he, he's better when he's on the move. So that might have had something to do with it as well. Just you know, on a on a quick glance. And by the way, I did do. Um, uh, a film study on Loletta. It's going to be part of the overall film study I've done for The Athletic. Do check it out. That article should be out today um, on The Athletic, and they're currently running a special if you want to check that out. So uh, have a look. Okay, next question comes from Michael A. You get one redo. Which is it? Coughlin over Reese, Ryan Ramsick over Evan Engram, Todd Gurley over Eric Flowers, Michael Thomas, the receiver over Sterling Shepard, Lewis Riddick over Dave Gettleman. One redo, huh? I would say Ryan Ramsick over Evan Ingram. 
And no offense to Evan Ingram. I think he's a good player. I like him very much. But I am all about offensive linemen. And I look at, you know, the problems the Giants had with their offensive line for years and years and years. It all starts up front. You know, I, I know it's tempting to go Todd Gurley over Eric Flowers, but if you don't have an offensive line to block for him, what's the point? So I would go with the offensive lineman because I, I tend to be old school like that. And I think that that's, that's where you want to start. And apparently Dave Gettleman feels the same way. So that's where I would definitely start um, if I were doing a redo. All right, you're listening to Locked on Giants. It is a Twitter Tuesday. We're going to take our final break, and I'm going to go through the rest of these questions and get as many of them answered as possible. So do stay with us. Hey, Giant fans. With the temperatures dropping in parts of the country, it's important to stay warm, especially if you're partaking in outdoor activities. And if you've been looking for an apparel line that keeps you warm and toasty in the frigid temperatures, you've got to check out Action Heat, makers of the world's best battery-heated clothing. Action Heat clothing is engineered to safely and efficiently deliver heat via heating panel similar to a heated car seat. They can reach temperatures of up to 135 degrees and are powered by a rechargeable 5-volt lithium-ion battery that lasts up to 12 hours on each charge and which can also be used to recharge your phone or any other gadget while you're wearing them. Action Heat's clothing line is great for anyone who works outdoors, who skis or is a snowboarder, joggers, or anyone who loves the outdoors but hates being cold. Action Heat offers heated jackets, socks, gloves, hats, and even undergarments such as heated base layer shirts and long johns available for both men and women with several styles to choose from. And now listeners to the Locked on Giants podcast can save 20% off their entire order at actionheat.com when they enter the coupon code Locked on. Stay toasty warm while you enjoy all your outdoor activities this winter with Action Heat. Visit actionheat.com and remember to enter your special promo code Locked On, that's all one word, to save your 20% discount on your entire order. Welcome back, Giant fans, to Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. Before we jump into segment three and continue answering your Twitter-submitted questions on this Twitter Tuesday, just a quick reminder coming up later on in the show on Wednesday. It is a crossover show with Terry Lambert. He is the co-host of Locked On Titans, and he will help me break down the Tennessee Titans who visit the Giants this Sunday at MetLife Stadium. And I, of course, will return the favor and help him break down the Giants for his listeners. So be sure you tune in to both the Locked On Giants podcast and the Locked On Titans podcast for everything you need to know about this weekend's game. All right, so let's get back to your Twitter Tuesday questions. I have a few more. I want to try and get through as many of these as possible before we call the show, starting with Victor P. And he wants to know, what are the chances that the Giants draft Kyle Shermer as the next quarterback next season? Kyle Shermer, of course, is the son of Pat Shermer, the head coach. Victor, I don't see it happening. I think that would just be an absolute disaster, not because Kyle Shermer is a bad quarterback. I mean, just think of the scrutiny and everything. I mean, 
I just don't think that would be a wise move, number one. Number two, I don't think the Giants are going to to force a pick um, at, at number one in the first round. I think if anything, the Giants might look to take a quarterback in the second day. I could see maybe a second round pick or maybe even seeing the Giants trade back into the first round once the class is completed. But I, I just don't see Kyle Shermer coming here and having to play for his dad. I think that would just be asking for trouble um, and, and just not a good scenario for either of the Shermers. So, all right, Rob C. Giants before Jamon Brown were one and seven. After Jamon Brown four and one, how much credit does he deserve? Rob, Jamon Brown has been a a nice upgrade to the offensive line, but one man alone does not necessarily uh, change the course of, of a, uh, a football team's fortunes. Now, has the offensive line settled down? Absolutely. Have they passed block better? Yes. Have they run block better? You better believe they have. That's been the biggest contribution I think Jamon Brown has made. Um, so yes, that is, he deserves a little bit of the credit, but not all of it. I think you have to look at, you know, Eli Manning. You definitely have to look at Saquon Barkley, the receivers, the tight ends and the defense, you know, Alec Ogletree has been playing better. Um, the, the pass rush has been showing up finally. I think the Giants have something like 10 sacks or something like that in their last three or four games. So it's a combination of things, not just one guy. Andre would like to know, are Giant fans once again being lulled into a false sense of hope like they did coming off 2016 when the team feasted on below 500 teams, beat one over 500? Three wins versus backup quarterbacks post by and one win versus an 0-3 Texas team. Is it false hope? Um, I don't think so, Andre. I think the big difference here, well, there's a couple differences actually. Number one, Pat Shermer and Dave Gettleman have cleaned out the culture. And yes, you can look at the competition and you can say, well, they played against backup quarterbacks. But they didn't play against backup defenses, did they? Did They didn't play against you know backup receivers, did they? What about backup running backs? So my point is, is that I think people tend to be a little too um, dramatic. They tend to go a little overboard when they see a backup quarterback and say, oh, you know, that should be a give me. Because unless the entire team is, is trotting out their second and third string players, I don't think it is that big of a difference. Um, as far as a false hope goes, the other thing you have to remember is I think Ben McAdoo, coming off that 2016 season, let the press clippings go to his head a little bit. And, and so did the players for that matter. I mean, you've got to forget what you did the year before. You can't rest on your laurels there. And you have to start from scratch. It's a new team, a new year, new expectations, new schedule. And I think the Giants were guilty of not turning the page. And as a result, when, when the, uh, you know, the misfortunes happen, unfortunately, Ben McAdoo was not in a position to, to right the ship and uh, his experience just, you know, wasn't there and everything just kind of fell apart. It was unfortunate, but I do not think that Giant fans are being lulled into a false sense of, of uh, hope for 2019. I think uh, it, there's nowhere to go but up. And I think the Giants are a team on the rise and 
they, they'll continue to be a team on the rise so long as they stay healthy and everybody steps up and continues to perform and they fix and upgrade a few areas on the roster. Uh, let's see, we got another question about Kyle Lalletta, which I've already answered. Um, okay, here's a question from Victor P. wants to know, with the news about Landon Collins needing surgery, can you see them positioning to sign him to a cheap mid mid-long-term contract of a, or a one-year prove-it deal, would they still franchise him as necess if necessary? What's more likely? All right. Um, I know last week I mentioned that I was going to write an article on this. I haven't gotten a chance to write this article because I've just been absolutely swamped with doing film study and creating videos for the Maven and all this good stuff. But um, in a nutshell, Victor, I don't think the Giants are going to franchise tag uh, Landon Collins, I do think there is a possibility they will apply the transition tag. And I will explain that when I sit down and write this article. I am hoping to do it later this week um, if I can get everything under control here with, with this heavy workload that I have. Um, but I do plan on writing that and explaining that. That's an approach I don't think a lot of people have taken. And I think it's an approach that, to me, makes the most sense from a cap perspective. Um, will they resign Collins to a long-term deal? That's all going to depend. You know, um, will Dave Gettleman look at the entire body of work? Will he look at just this year? Those are questions that need to be asked when he eventually speaks to the media. And uh, until we find out what he might be thinking, and if even if he decides to share that, I mean, he might just say, look, I'm not talking any kind of contract stuff as he's done in the past. But until we kind of see where he goes with things, it's, it, it's, it's kind of hard to gauge. But I do think the transition tag is the way to go with Landon Collins. And when I write that article, I will explain why. And I will show you numbers and all that good stuff. Okay. Uh, Hightour, it looks like, H-E-I-T-O-R. Our defensive line played great, and we are finally rushing the pass. Is it a true improvement or just a fluke against a terrible quarterback? Um, nope, not a fluke. I think, uh, again, the stat is 10 sacks in the last three games. So um, three of those sacks, I believe, came against... Mark Sanchez, or it might have been two sacks. I can't remember now. I don't have the stats in front of me, but I don't think it's a fluke. Again, you know, the, the Washington's offensive line is not horrible. Um, Chicago's offensive line was not bad. Um, Tampa's was not bad. So I, I don't think this was a fluke. I think these guys are finally starting to, to you know, get on the same page and, and play together. And, you know, let's hope they can continue doing that because, uh, it's been a long time coming this season to see that pass rush uh, coming along. All right. Any other questions? Okay. Uh, Gettleman's giant yo-yo. <laughs> Goodness gracious. What a, a handle there. Uh, curious. Who is our emergency third string quarterback on game days? Uh, I think it would be Odell Beckham Jr., to be honest with you. If Odell is active, I think he's the emergency guy. But, you know, um, I, let's hope it never comes to that. Not that, you know, Odell couldn't get the job done, but do you really want him standing behind there and putting him at risk of, of being drilled into the ground? I know I wouldn't want to see that. So let's hopefully they won't need that. Um, all right. David R wants to know, I know it was five throws in. Okay. This is a Loletta question. 
Um, is drafting and acquiring a quarterback a definite now, given you know the struggles of Kyle Lalletta? No, I don't think it's a definite. Um, if you're thinking about you know in terms of a first round pick, do I think they might add another um, developmental project? Yeah, I could see that that coming along. I mean, I think Pat Shermer said at one point, and I, I can't remember what it was, but he seemed to indicate that he likes having a developmental quarterback on the roster. And you never know, that quarterback could end up, uh, you know, being the next Jimmy G, you know, where you, where you develop him and he gets in into a game or two, shows that he's got the, the right stuff, and now all of a sudden you flip him for draft picks. So um, it certainly makes sense to keep drafting a quarterback, but, uh, you know, I, I just... I, I don't think it, it has to do necessarily with Kyle Walletta and the handful of snaps that he struggled with in his uh, NFL debut. So, all right. Uh, let's see, another Lawletta question. Um, okay. Peyton Combs, do you think the Giants need to look to, at the draft or free agency for a center, or do you think Pullian or Jalapio are the future? My guess, Peyton, is that the Giants will add a center. I don't know that Spencer Pulley is is the answer. Um, he's been a good fill-in for John Halapio. Um, I, I wasn't so sure that John Halapio was the long-term answer either. Uh, if I'm the Giants, I go and I get a young center and I make him the set, you know, and I have him kind of grow old with whoever the next quarterback is going to be whenever he does come along. So um, that's just how I would do it. I can't give you a name because I haven't studied the uh, the picks yet or the draft class, but um, we just have to, you know, see who comes out and, and how they, they scout. And, you know, maybe the Giants feel differently. Maybe Dave Gettleman feels that Halapil or Pulley is the answer. So We'll see, but if it were me, I think I would go and I would get another center if I could find one. Mike D, can they restructure Eli's contract for next year to make it more cap friendly? What do you think it will look like? Mike, the answer is yes, and I wrote about this in the athletic article that is out today, um, which I'm hope hoping wasn't cut out uh, because it was just kind of something I threw in there, but... Um, I do think there is a way to make it more cap friendly. So I would refer you to that article. I didn't go into a whole lot of detail because, you know, that that's a whole cap piece in itself. It is something, though, that I can get into uh, later on, maybe after the, the uh, season is over and we have a little bit more time. I don't have to be running around all over the place to cover the team. I can sit down and I can work out numbers and stuff. But I did come up with a, an example on how to lower that number, which basically necessitates adding an extra year onto the deal. So do check out that article on The Athletic because it is in that piece. Mark B. wants to know, what do you think of the play of R.J. McIntosh? I've seen some good flashes from him. Um, I think he, you know, look, the guy came in, he was behind. Um, all things considering... He's shown some potential, but I think you got to give him an incomplete grade. I, I I need to see him. First of all, I need to see more from him. I didn't see him, obviously, in, in the OTAs. I didn't see him in the summer. 
Um, right now, practices during the season are closed to the media, so I don't have a whole lot on him as far as, you know, how he's developing other than what we're seeing in the games. And I think he's going to take a big step from this year to next year if he stays healthy. So um, kind of an incomplete uh, grade for me on, on RJ McIntosh. But certainly, uh, you know, at this point, I have no reason to say that he's been a waste of a roster spot because, as you said, he has flashed. But, you know, you need to see that flashing done on a consistent basis. All right. One more question. This from Thomas K. Where do you think the Giants go in the draft now? I want to give Eli next year. And what about Jackrabbit and OV now? All right. So we got multiple questions there. Let me take the first one. Where do I think the Giants are going to go in the draft? They're going defense. I am fairly certain they are going defense. It makes too much sense. This is a rich class in defensive linemen and pass rushers. And if you are the Giants and you have an inconsistent pass rush as they have had, you go and you get a pass rusher if you can do so. All right. Now to kind of piggyback off that question and that thought, you ask about where they stand with Olivier Vernon. I would be very surprised if Vernon is back with the Giants next year. I know he's had some injury issues. That's not his fault. But look, the production just hasn't met the contract. And, you know, you're going to need money from somewhere. And uh, if it's not coming from Eli Manning, if it's not coming from Janoris Jenkins, who might be back, you know, and, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment, it's got to come from somewhere. And I, I just... To me, it's a tough call with Vernon because he's 28 years old. He's still, you know, a productive pass rusher, but not for the the money he's getting. Uh, I I just don't see um, see them keeping that contract as is. You know, maybe they ask him to take a pay cut or they redo his deal. I don't know, but I I would be shocked if if Vernon is a Giant next year. Uh, regarding Jackrabbit, Janoris Jenkins, you know, at the beginning of the year, I would have said he's definitely a goner, but, you know, he revealed that he has been working with an injury, um, an injury that, you know, has, has healed and he's able to play more like his, uh, his 2016 form. That's going to be a tough one because again, he's got a big contract there. And I don't know if the Giants are going to necessarily keep that one. Again, the defensive class is very rich. You're going to see um, Sam Beal as one of the starters next year at cornerback. You're going to, you know, B.W. Webb has played surprisingly well. So I could see a scenario where they keep Jackrabbit. But my gut feeling is, is they might move on from him as well because I believe he has a 13 plus million cap hit. He is on the wrong side of 30. And I, I just don't know that they're going to keep him and OV. I think one of those two for sure is, is not going to be a giant next year, possibly both of them. But uh, let's see what these next few games uh, bring, because basically these guys are auditioning for their jobs, you know, despite what, what Pat Shermer and Dave Gettleman might have, you know, might think or might say, they are evaluating these guys and determining, you know, who are going to be uh, part of the, the roster next year. So we'll see how it plays out. 
All right, Giant fans, so that was the last of the Twitter-submitted questions. I hope, hopefully I got to all of them. I know some of them got scattered a little bit, but I think I got to all of them. I want to thank you for sending the questions in. Thank you for listening. Be sure you tune in tomorrow for the Locked On Titans crossover show. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Patricia Chena signing off.